This is the Academic Survival Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Chandra McDonald. Statistics show that approximately 40% of students drop out of college every year. In fact, nearly 30% drop out their first year. Well, I am on a mission to improve these stats. Like it's, and it's, I can, I, 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 like I said earlier, I understand the concern, but I think if you take the stance of these tools are inherently bad for learning and um, development, to your point, you're going to stunt the student's ability to compete in the workforce of tomorrow. And so, and, and as an institution, we are judged based on the, the um, successful outcomes that we can help our students generate. And so, so educating them like this is 1980 um, is not going to serve them well, right? It's not going to serve them well. That is Dr. Amber Artiaga, the VP of Student Support at Campus. Campus is an online community college that focuses on making quality education accessible to students from all walks of life. On this episode of Academic Survival, we take a deep dive into the world of online learning and the integration of artificial intelligence into higher education. Welcome to the Academic Survival Podcast. Today I have with me Dr. Amber Artiaga, and she is the Vice President of Student Support at Campus. And so many of you may not have heard about Campus, so Amber's going to tell us a little bit about that school, and she's going to tell us about um, her role there, and we're going to get into all things about online students. So welcome, Amber, Dr. Amber Artiaga. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction. I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to chatting with you. Yay. So let's jump right on in. So you are the vice president of student support at campus. Tell us about campus and your role there. Yeah. So campus is a online community college and our focus is on ensuring that students, no matter where they are in the United States, where they are economically, that they have access to high quality education. That's paramount in our mission. Um, and so our goal is to pair um, instructors and professors for some of our top tier uh, institutions in the country and be able to bring them into an environment that is uh, more affordable for students um, and one that allows for them to be able to connect with professors on a, on a, on a smaller class size as in a uh, more intimate envi- uh, environment where they're able to not only build connections, of course, with the instructors, but other people that are all, literally all across the U.S. Um, and creating like these dynamic kind of experiences that otherwise um, they may there may be a larger barriers to entry in order to be able to access and, and be able to learn from some of these top tier professors. So that is our, our mission. And we're excited to be able to bring in um, really, you know, talented professors and instructors into our environments. And so um, my role as the VP of student support is basically all things student life cycle. So once a student uh, completes their enrollment, completes their admissions requirements, um, making sure that their onboarding experience and they understand what they just signed up for and they know where all the resources <laughs> are, right? Um, also making sure that we're connecting them with their support coach. Each student gets their personalized support coach um, that is responsible for basically um, kind of partnering with them and walking with them through their learning journey while they're here at campus. And so um, kind of overseeing the res- and resourcing the support coaches so that they can resource their students. Um, so basically all things student experience I oversee community building, all that good stuff to make sure that um, although being online, they they may be in a room by themselves, but they shouldn't feel by themselves. And so really creating community around them is is what I oversee at campus. So you talked about the um, the student life cycle. So if I'm a student and I'm just now enrolling in the program, like what what does that process look like for Mm -hmm. me? Yeah, that's a great question. So ideally, the or not ideally, what happens is you first you obviously have an admissions counselor and their role is to kind of walk you through the admissions process. Um, also, it's just to make sure that um, 
the campus is the right fit for you, right? We want to make sure that we have students that not only are you clear on what your expectations are in terms of the outcomes that you're going to get as becoming a campus student, or we call them campus scholars. Um, we want to also make sure that um, the program that we have is, is a fit for them. So we have associate's degree in business administration. A number mm. of our students come to us because that's a, um, a broad enough degree where you can go in multiple different fields. And it's almost like any, any, field, there is some component of business in it, whether it's healthcare, whether it's government service, whether it's fashion or it's more creative fields, there's always this element of business. And so uh, coming in and having that background allows our students to go um, to a number of different career trajectories. Um, and so the admissions counselor kind of walks them through that process, makes, you know, finds out what their goals are, um, wanting to make sure that we have a good match. And then once a student actually enrolls, and then we walk them through an onboarding process, which includes a live orientation. Um, and during that orientation, we call it a week. And so during a week, we walk students through um, the opportunity to understand what the platform's all about, right? So that's really important in the online environment to make sure they understand how everything functions. We also um, connect and them by, with- quick, quick question, quick question. By live, do you, you mean live, but not in person, right? It's- yes, okay, live, it. but not in person. Okay, got it. So- Students go through a live um, uh, um, orientation. Obviously, everything's virtual, so that's going to be via Campus Wire, which is our um, platform that all of our courses and all of our extracurricular activities uh, are housed on. And so during orientation, they get an opportunity to connect with one another. Um, they get an opportunity to connect with their faculty members so they know who they're going to be learning from and learning with. Um, we also do some uh, kind of fun activities because what we find is, our, what I've found, I've been working with online students for a long time, and it takes a lot of courage to step into a brand new environment and not 100% sure if this is something that's you know, going to work for you and, and not sure exactly how all of this works. And so we want to make sure that uh, at, while we're trying to provide them with the information they need to be successful academically and how everything functions, we also want to make sure that they know that like we recognize that you're a person. And so like your instructors <laughs> are also people. And so meeting them in a less, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Kind of in, in a less tense environment, I'll say it that way, in terms of just meeting them for the first time in the classroom. I think it gives them, it gives the instructors an opportunity to really share their heart with them a little bit about why they teach and, and what they're, um, how they're there to support students in a less rigorous uh, environment. Um, and then doing that, I think during that orientation, they, they really, the students do start to create um, just understanding our culture a little bit more, knowing that we're there to support them um, and that we're, we are there to ensure that what, what they came for, they get, right? That's like at the end of the day, if I really boil down what I do, what my team does is um, when I say student experience, it's like they came here for a specific thing. And mm -hmm. our goal is to make sure that we walk alongside and coach them and, and resource them um, so that they can get to that end goal of getting that degree and then ultimately getting into that career, right? Because the, the degree is the entry point, but it's the actual career is the thing that they are, they're really actually coming to us for. So ensuring that they're resource in that way. So the orientation is part of that. And then once students uh, complete that, that orientation week, so there's a number of different events that go on. We have a game night. Um, again, this is all virtual. So we use cahoots for that. Really, it's about and kind of just really, honestly, indoctrinating them into our community. Um, and so once that's completed, generally speaking, we might have a day or two between the time the act class actually starts. And then their first uh, night of class, a class, they'll actually start, of course, with their instructor, they'll meet all the other folks in their classes, um, and then, the, then they're off to the races. And so um, we also have, I mentioned earlier that we do have support coaches whose responsibility it is, is just kind of walk alongside and resource students as they're going through the program. And so they'll be doing check-ins with the student during those first initial weeks as well, just to make sure that they have what they need. Because sometimes when you go through a learning experience where it's like, okay, we went through this orientation. This totally makes sense. I get this. And then they get into the platform. It's like, wait, what? Exactly. I spent a whole week understanding this and now I'm confused. And so we don't want to take for granted. Like the adult mind is like they say that without after about 20 minutes, it starts to wander. So we don't want to take for granted that our students know. So we're we're constantly, especially as we're onboarding them and in, in, in those initial weeks, uh, because they're they're having to set new habits. And so part of that is ensuring mm. that they're they 
they get into the habit of when I don't know something, I need to reach out for help. And so for a lot of our students, that might they may not have support systems like that. So there is no one to reach out to help for. So it doesn't come naturally to them. So by having the support coaches reach out pretty regularly at that beginning stage to start setting the tone for what resources that they can provide and things like that, that's really important. And then, like I said, that, that, that relationship is ongoing. So the coach stays with them throughout their entire um, student experience. Um, and what's important about that, I think, is it really allows for the coach um, to really like understand their story. So like, um, and, and be able to uh, really offer the type of care that's going to be meaningful to that student. Because you can't do every student's different. So what you do for one student is not going to work for another. And so the fact that they're able to stay with them for the entire journey allows them to kind of know their story, know what they're, what, what they've gone through in the past and understand how they've accomplished and overcome obstacles in the past and remind students how they've done that. Um, so really having that rapport, that close relationship is super important. So that's kind of the, the kind of high level, like of what happens when a student comes in and kind of afterwards, what that, what that um, continuity of care looks like. That, that care system um, is really, really important, especially for online students. So that's something that we're really always fine tuning, right? Because each cohort has its own personality, I feel like. Um, and so uh, there will be times where like, oh, this worked with this cohort and the next cohort, these particular things are not working anymore. So it's always iterating, always being adaptable to what the needs of the students are. Yeah, that's a lot there. And so there's so many there's so many topics that um, that that like I had was going to have some questions and like you answered the, <laughs> you oh. answered them already, <laughs> which is completely fine. But I do want to circle back and at least touch on uh, touch on a couple of things. So one of my questions was going to be about, you know, is it a traditional semester or are they cohorts? Like how do how do how do students um like, what does the cycle look like? Look like they, do yeah. they do they matriculate with the same group of people all the way through? Mm-hmm. Or is it, you know, they pick their own classes and create their own journey, but it still has the same uh, finish line? So um, we, we like to kind of take a lot of the guesswork out of um, the student experience. I don't know about you, but I remember being um, in an undergrad student and they gave me a big catalog at that time goodness <laughs> they gave me a big old catalog with a zillion classes in it and said here's your degree program here are all the classes now go register for them right at that time you couldn't even register online it was like you had to call in <laughs> on the line and like see if the class was open and so i didn't know what i was doing I, i'm just i'm picking especially as first year student i was picking classes that seemed fun like <laughs> out of my mind just had no clue um and so um so that we do build the schedule for them so that way there's no guesswork because what i will say is the majority of our students have um, completing, competing demands on their time, on their resources. And so we want to remove as much friction out of the learning experience as we can, right? And so the way that we do that in part is that we will build the schedule for the students. So they don't have to wonder, oh, is this class going to count? I cannot tell you how many classes I've taken, and I, and I won't. Uh, that didn't count anything. Like, it, again, because I didn't know what I was doing. So I just like the wasted time is just insane. So anyway, so we, we will set up the, um, the the course schedule for them. So when they come in, they know what. Uh, so generally students will take three classes at a time. We're on a quarter system. So the time goes quickly. Um, yeah. And so um, students will come in. They'll take their three classes. And so generally speaking, the cohorts all stay with each other. Now, we recognize that. Students, uh, especially adult students, life happens, right? Like the issues of life will hit and sometimes they'll may need to take a little bit of time off or things like that. And so we have, um, we have uh, uh, resources for that to where if, if life hits them, we can still work with them and they can still progress in their programs. So that could mean for every once in a while, somebody may fall out of a cohort, but then they join the one behind them. But the goal is that you got to move through this experience together. And so not only do you have your support coach that knows your story, knows your background, is familiar with what your goals are and helping you stay focused on those, but you also have the same group of people for the most part that you're you're getting to go through this experience with. And that also uh, creates that, I think, that additional sense of belonging, community engagement, which is critical in my mind in, in the online learning environment. Wow. You know, it sounds like campus has taken the model from what 
works well um, on at like traditional campuses. There's certain things that work well, yeah. and it look and it seems like they've taken the piece. So, for example, um, because I was I entered college through um, the EOP program, which is basically like first generation or low income. So I had additional resources. So I had a counselor that was with me along the way. Like I didn't have to figure out what classes to take. It was like here no. you will take. Yeah. <laughs> like I got to, I knew what to choose from. Rather than uh, like rather than having like a, a million page catalog, mm-hmm. I was like, here's a sheet of paper <laughs> like like you're going to choose yeah. do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's awesome that you that basically they're getting that that um, that individualized support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like feeling there's nothing like starting a new journey and knowing that you're not doing it alone. Right. I think that's yeah. huge. I think that's huge. Um, and like I said earlier, like it's just because the, the online students in general, and it's not unique to just campus students, but online students in general, um, they, they're online because chances are great. The traditional environment is just not a fit for them. They can't either geography wise, there's not a school close enough to them or scheduling wise. It's just not feasible for them to be able to work a full time, take care of family and go to school, you know, a brick and mortar institution at the same time. And so um, we want to make sure that as we are creating these online spaces, that we're not just taking what happens in a class, in a, in a classroom, and then just throwing it into like a Zoom. Like it's not, that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't translate. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't translate. So you really have to be intentional. I think that's what we've done a really good job about is being really intentional about what the experience looks like. And so um, being able to, as close as we can, bring the student into the room. And so the sessions are live. This is not a, um, a recording that they watch and then they go off and do their homework. These are live sessions where- mm, So it's in, synchronous. It's synchronous, yeah. Okay, got it. Yes, it's synchronous. And so they're seeing their instructor, they're seeing the, the other students in the class are able to raise their hand and, and have that dialogue. And so I think, um, you know, I, I don't know, like I, I don't believe that all online experiences are created equal, right? Like. We, we're living in a day and time where education is really accessible, right? Like you go on YouTube and you can learn all the things that you want, right? Like you type it in and chances are great. Somebody has created a video around it. Um, now, is the video quality? Is it accurate? Um, and does the person <laughs> who's speaking care anything about you really understanding what they're talking about? Maybe not, right? Um, and so, and so I, when I say like, um, not all uh, experiences are created equal, it's that being able to have it synchronous where students are able to actually engage in real time with their peers, with the faculty member, where the faculty member could throw up a white screen and actually like, where you're feeling more um, like you're in a, you know, like in a actual physical classroom, To but to be able to do that from the comfort of your home and not have to drive however long away, um, pay for parking, you know, I just, I just like, I'm having flash school <laughs> experience and I'm just like, man, so much energy was spent just trying to get, like you said earlier, butt in the seat just to get there. And now I'm already spent and now I'm supposed to spend the next two hours trying to understand what you're saying. Like, look, so, when part of the, when part of the journey, when part of the campus experience, uh, not, not the school, but like when part of the traditional campus experience includes praying for a parking spot yes. so that you can get to class on time. And you can get to class on time. <laughs> and then you get, the, I promise you, I'm having flashbacks as we speak of being all sweaty trying to, because I remember like we had an upper a lower campus and for yes. and all the student parking was on the lower campus <laughs> and most of my classes were upper classes and our upper campus and so I'm like my big backpack with all the books in it and trying to get to class and yeah it was just I think if you think back of all the energies that that's exuded and the stress and anxiety that that creates right before you get into a situation where you're supposed to learn, where you're supposed to think critically, where you're supposed to contribute to conversation, like (laughs) doesn't, 
does not make sense. <laughs> so, um, so we take a lot of that out so they can come and really be fully present um, in this live experience where you're able to ch- exchange ideas and thoughts and, and debate and all of that that would typically happen in a classroom. They still, they don't, for just because they're not physically in the same space together, they don't forego that learning and that experience. Well, that's good. That's good. Today, there's a lot of talk about AI in the educational space. And I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on that? Particularly, like, do you see it being something that is frowned upon or smiled smiled at? Like, what's been your experience? And then what are your thoughts? AI in education. Like that's such a loaded statement right now. (laughs) Such a loaded statement. And depending on, it's like everybody pick up your knives because now we're going to fight. Like, you know. (laughs) Um, So So tell me the the pros and cons. I'll start with pros because I do 100% believe there's way more pros than there is cons. Um, I think that what AI does, it it allows some of the I think I think when we get into understanding thoughts, right? So talking about metacognition, thinking, how do you think about how you think, right? These are things <laughs> that we don't normally do, right? Yeah. Because we are in a world where things are fed to us. You you somebody posts a YouTube video, whether it's accurate or not, doesn't matter. People will repeat information that they hear because maybe the speaker was very eloquent in the way that they shared it, or maybe the speaker. Um, had great visuals. And so it seemed like it made sense. But do we really take the time to think like, let me fact check this. Like, where did you get your data? I can't tell you how many times, like I was listening to a podcast earlier today and they were espousing some um, statistics and I'm going, can I see the data? Can you put the data in the actual like podcast somewhere so I can take a look? So what I think AI will help us to do, um, and at least I'm hopeful about, is that it will help us move more to a space of like, of that metacognition space of like, let me really analyze how I'm acquiring information. Because again, we're in a space where information is rampant and prevalent. But the quality, like how do you determine, how do you gauge, how do you filter for quality? And so um, I think AI is, is helpful in helping us to distill down, but I don't think it takes the place of us doing our own research, right? Um, and so when AI first came out, it's like, it's like, it seemed like almost immediately college, there was a number of colleges that were like, we're banning it. Like you don't know, like all you heard was student. Like I think what it was is like people are, are like institutions and leaders thought like this is how students are going to cheat, and then and then we're never going to fully know whether you know the students not going to be able to actually demonstrate their knowledge, and so uh, which is irrelevant. Like we talked, you, you shared like asked me about cons. That is that is a legitimate concern. Right. Um, However, I do think if we look at it from a space of how can we work with it, like the image that keeps coming to mind, um, and I've shared this with a couple of folks on my team, but it's just like, you know, this is not the first time that we have had pivotal changes in the way that knowledge is gained. So when you think about when the Internet first became like widely used, Mm -hmm. you know, people had concerns like, oh, they're, you know, like, there's too much information out. Nobody's going to know like what's accurate, which I guess that's true. Um, (laughs) But there was, there was a, there was, there's always a concern around new tech. And so I think that rather than trying to in the higher ed space, um, in upscaling space, um, rather than trying to figure out how to remove it from the environment, I think we figure out how to work with it. And so for example, like if you're concerned about, okay, well, uh, you know, students are going to be using this information to play, you know, a use AI to plagiarize papers and things like that. They're not going to, they're going to forget how to cr- critically think, and it's going to be a detriment to their um, critical thinking skills. I think, well, one way that you can work with AI in doing these things is encourage them to use it. There was, um, I was at South by Southwest 
earlier this year. And, uh, and one of the, so of course, everybody's talking about AI. Um, uh, the two things that I heard quite frequently is, um, <laughs> is AI, everything around AI and ecosystems. Those are, are two main, main buzzwords, it seems like. <laughs> ecosystems and AI. Like, how many times do you say that? Right. Um, anyway, one of the sessions I went to, I really liked their approach. And forgive me, I don't remember the name of the university, but the way that they were using it was that the institution was actually asking students to use ChatGPT to, um, to complete the paper. And so that wasn't the assignment. That was like the baseline. You, you had to use ChatGPT. Hmm. However, the assignment was, um, so they gave them a prompt. And so the assignment was find the holes. So ChatGPT created this document and they're actually being great on their, their cognitive thinking. Like, Yes, this information actually is good, but where what's missing? What's not mm. present here that the AI can't pick up, that the human mind, based on our own ability to be inquisitive and to research and fact find and all that, what is missing, right? And so I think if we take those types of approaches where it's like, how can we use this to, I, I kind of view it like as a second brain. How can we use this to surface up ideas that maybe we would normally, we may not have on our own. It's like having a really smart friend that knows mm -hmm. a lot of things, but maybe is not like, has a difficult time understanding context, right? Because it will never, <laughs> right? It will never, like they can surface up data in a conversational way and, and that's good, but like you still have to, I don't think it takes a place of us actually thinking. Um, and so I'm, I, for, for my, um, for my seat, I, I really see it as a positive. I think it's a. I think the conversation needs to be around how can we use it in a way that it helps the students that we are serving today be able to be not just functional, be ex, be excellent in the in the careers of the future that we have not even thought about, right? Because not only does this change education, it changes the types of careers that our students are going to be going for, you know, in the future. Yes. Yes. So here's the thing. If you ban AI from education, from the educational space, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the direction mm -hmm. that we're going in the world. Are you now producing a student who is less competitive or less knowledgeable because you didn't give them the, the tools to even critically think about like you that piece you're talking about yeah. so it's like you can't um part of education is preparing you for the for the, the you know part of getting that degree is to prepare you for the future yeah. so you better prepare them for a future that is going to exist rather than a future that um that you want to look like the past yeah <laughs> yes a hundred percent like it's and it's I can, I, I, like I said earlier, I understand the concern, but I think if you take the stance of these tools are inherently bad for learning and um, development, to your point, you're going to stunt the student's ability to compete in the workforce of tomorrow. And so, and, and as an institution, we are judged based on the, the um, successful outcomes that we can help our students generate. And so, so educating them like this is 1980, um, it's not going to serve them well, right? It's not going to serve them well. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a, I don't know. I think I think it's just a it's a slap in the face for for students who come to us with their hopes, their dreams, their desires. Um, and in some cases, in a lot of cases, to be honest, maybe not 100 percent sure even on what they want to do. They know that education is the path to to successful you know, career trajectory, what type of education, what they want to do with it, they may not know. And so Part of the institution's role, I think, is also to um, provide some exposure, right? Like, so expose them to what's possible yeah. so that, because I think clarity comes from exposure. So those students who are maybe undecided when they enter, um, as they experience not just the learning, but experience different types of uh, ways to 
to, to be able to earn income and career paths and things like that. That's when they start to gain that that clarity. And I think it is an institution and, and, and it's people that um, are are here to support and serve students, it's part of our responsibility to make sure that we expose, expose them to the full breadth of what the world of work is going to be looking like when they're preparing to enter. Yeah. And it's and what's interesting also is like we um, have a tendency mm -hmm. to have a bias yeah. for the technology yes. that was on the scene when we got here. Right. So I would imagine yes. that at some point we we're like, no, you can't use calculators. You got to do that math in your head. And then it was like, but no one is saying, oh, you, you shouldn't run uh, auto auto correct or auto, you know, don't spell check your paper. Like, <laughs> go look those words up in the dictionary and make sure they're spelled correctly. It's like, no, we, we expect that, you know. We want you to run, the, you know, wow. make sure you're, 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 um, do the, do the right. spell check. Right. But then also you have Grammarly and which is, you know, not necessarily forcing students to, uh, know grammar if something is automatically right. correcting it. But then again, you do have context, right? Cause, because if, because if you're solely relying on that technology, then you're going right. to, you know, sometimes the wrong there is there, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's like, um, it's, and it is, is not the same thing. And so you've got it turning it yeah. into a contraction when it's like, yeah, that kind of thing. So you do have to have some knowledge exactly. to make sure that your technology so is you're making you look like an idiot. Some context. You still need to have some, you know, critical thinking and things like that. And to your point, like how long is, I don't know how long Grammar, Grammarly has been around, but it's been a minute. And so that's AI as well. You know what I mean? It's not like this is new. I think ChatGPT yeah. just took it to, obviously took it to a whole different right and that's where it's like you know people <laughs> like another level or <laughs> get afraid of things that they don't understand and so i think what we need to do is really like figure out how we how do we incorporate um this learning this second brain technology and the time saver of it all because that's what it, that's what right. technology has done is in the past you don't have to go grab that dictionary and look it up um i don't you know with i'm talking about like older right. technology right you don't have to necessarily grab that dictionary and go look it up you know you're going to use autocorrect and then you're going to you know right click and and perhaps find mm -hmm. the synonym yeah. to, see, to make mm -hmm. sure that you were using the word that you thought you were using so it's it's making it it's making it quicker so imagine now you produce mm -hmm. this student who was not allowed to use chat GPT and now they're in the workforce and they're performing with people who um, maybe didn't get a degree or maybe they did get a degree, but they were able to use it just like, and so now you're producing a project at work and one person is light speeds ahead of you because they're using as you called it, nice. the second brain, or they're like, can I phone yeah. a friend? My friend is mm -hmm. chat GPT yeah. or some other kind of AI. Right. It's got my, yeah. my, my best friend AI yes. who's yeah. so you, coming like, with so me to up, yeah. like, for, for those that don't embrace it, I do believe like you wind up creating this, this obsolescence in a brand new person who should be like equipped and ready to go. It's, <laughs> and, and, you know, like I said, like it is, this is not new. ChatGPT clearly is not the only um, AI tech out there. There's, it's insane. Like the other thing that I think is like, gosh, I don't know if I would put this in a con or the, I guess it's maybe a little bit of both, but it's like there's new AI tech coming out. Like literally, it seems like every hour. And so like, being able to uh, like just yes. adjust <laughs> to all of that and like how can we work more efficiently better um you know especially here's another thing to kind of like this is the like this the um the season that we are in in terms of like this time in history i think it's just so interesting in that we have just come through a global pandemic i heard earlier today apparently the pandemic is officially over i I don't know how they come up with that, but apparently they said the like from the government standpoint, the pandemic is officially over, right? Um, and so you've got yeah. we've, we've gone yeah. through a really challenging, just emotionally um, challenging, mentally, physically, emotionally challenging season, and then we enter this space of hyper productivity 
where we actually do get the opportunity to, I think, to make up some ground for maybe some, some of the things that were lost during the pandemic, right? I think we get to, to mm. some degree, um, collapse time in a way that allows us to maybe get those two plus years back where um, productivity took a hit just because you're trying to like, not only are you moving from working in an office to working at home and trying to juggle your children, but you're concerned about your own health, your family's health. Like it's just this pressure cooker environment emotionally where you can't tell me that productivity didn't take a hit from that. And so I feel like with the rise of AI and allowing people to work more efficiently to work to um, to really, like I said, collapse time in a way that allows them to get more done in a shorter period of time without taxing them mentally. I think that, I think that's a win. Um, so I don't know. I, I, that's, that's kind of my, my stance on AI. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think chat GPT is phenomenal. I think the AI, again, with, with guardrails, like I am a AI fan with a seatbelt. I'll say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't jump out the window like, like you know within reason but i think i gosh i, I think we partner with it i don't think we just say like you know, like to your point throw away all the calculators do all the math in your head and family. good luck to you like you know, I, it's like i heard a, a, um, it was, I remember maybe it was another podcast as well but like they were saying uh, how gen x is like the only thing you that one of the things that to do to really stump um and hopefully this is not offensive to millennials but like to stump millennials is to put them in a stick shift and um what's the other thing put them in a stick shift and um give them a thomas guide and ask them to go <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that was what we had when we needed it. But I, I, I remember I had Thomas guides in my car. Like I remember that, like you mapped your way and all of that. Um, but to your to your earlier point about like you know some things become it's they should be like obsolete to some degree. We don't need Thomas guides anymore. But what that does is it allows me to keep my eyes on the road as opposed to looking at a map. You know, like, so overall, the safety is better. I can navigate, right. if, there's, if there's traffic jams in one way, I can go another way. And I can, it's like, it's it's um, creating a more efficient travel experience. And so it is with AI. It's creating a more efficient generating yeah. um, experience, I think, for those who choose to use it. Yeah, yeah. And I think then um, those are some pros. And so I guess maybe some mm. cons would be going back to your Thomas Guide experience um, example, right? Mm. So I remember getting a Thomas Guide for my birthday and I, and I was just so excited. <laughs> I was excited. I was excited about my Thomas guy. And let me tell you, I would open oh up the map and just look at all the streets and memorize like what street became followed after that one and followed after that one. Like I knew it. And so I guess from that standpoint, it's like you could have yeah. dropped me off anywhere. And I knew I knew where I was. Um, if a street was closed, I, I knew where I was, like I knew how to navigate. And so like recently I had to, um, I had to go downtown, uh, for several days in a row. I had to go, go to downtown Los Angeles. I was, I, I was actually serving on jury duty and, um, I, my navigation took me to a road that was closed. Like that off ramp was closed. I'm like, oh. I'm like, why didn't you know this? <laughs> why didn't you know that this was closed? You're not supposed to send me to road closures. And so, um, and so I had to get off the, I had to get off at a different exit and I was like, crap, like, now fortunately, um, it was going to reroute me, right? Like it was going to steal, it knew, it knew where home base was, but for me, had I, you know, still been old school, I would have known like what street I was going to go off next. And then I would have known how to navigate back. But it, but again, I didn't need to. But I guess like the con is like, yeah, yeah, it can sometimes mm -hmm. be out of step with what is actually happening. Well, and then right. So to, which is why you still need to critically think, spot. you know, it's <laughs> like you can't just you don't get to just like when I say yes. second brain, I don't mean like the other one does nothing. I mean, like. You will actually have to use it to like 
critically look at what's being told to you and base it off of like, like, because what AI doesn't, like, it doesn't always, it doesn't have context. And so that's where the human brain comes in. It's not, I mean, I, I'm like, some people think it's sentient. I don't think it is. I don't think it has a soul. Like, I just, I just don't, I don't think that's what's happening here. Um, and so like you, but you do, and so you need to, you need to bring that to the table and marry that with what's being told to you and look at it critically. And then you come up between the AI's brain, your brain, you come up with what I'll call third brain. That is, that is the synthesis of those two. Right. Um, and so like to your point around the, mm-hmm. the, the traffic, like you still need to be able to, like, you need to be able to navigate, you need to be able to know where you are in the world. And so that's the context that I think that, that the human mind, but you can't, you can't replace that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So in the, in the education space, whether it be online or traditional, like, what do you see that is like perhaps around the corner? Like what, what can we expect? What do you see the future, you know, um, looking like in edu- in education, higher ed specifically? Higher ed specifically. Um, that's a really great question. I, like I said, like, this is a really interesting time in history where we're, we're on the precipice of having like the very way we live, work, play could change significantly based on, you know, what we were just discussing around AI. And so I do think long-term, I think, I do think you will see more institutions embracing it. Um, Mm -hmm. What that looks like, I don't know. Um, But I do think that that's going to be more of an expectation again, because the world of work is going to require it. Right. And so we do have to with guardrails or with like a seatbelt, like I said, we, we do have to figure out what this looks like, where, we're still able to have students demonstrate knowledge, but it may take a different form than what we have traditionally been used to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so those traditional assessments and things like that may not work. And so we may have to think about what that looks like. How do you mm. assess knowledge when knowledge in its, I'm gonna say raw form is ample and available? So how do you how do you now determine what the student actually knows? So I think I think we'll we'll we will see a, I think we will see more integration of AI technology. The other thing for my space around supporting students, not specific in the instruction piece, but but in the uh, I think our our lane is more in the um, just kind of full three sixty person view, right? Because it's the, 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 these are students that are not just like, they don't just come and it's just academic and that's it. Like we, we see more need for mental health, right? And so mm-hmm. a lot of more institutions are incorporating that into um, how they resource and how they serve students. We do that here at campus as well. Students have access uh, to a mental health um, um, uh, mental health service. So when that's they good. need it. Yeah, because again, like we just like, we just came out of this pressure cooker environment of the pandemic. And so to then jump into an unknown space, unfamiliar space, that's going to create a level of, of um, maybe anxiety and a little concern. And so like, we want to make sure that as we're serving students, just higher ed, higher ed as a body, I think we do need to make sure that we're serving the whole student because they can't detach them. We're not uh, compartmentalized human beings. Like, what happens outside the classroom is going to in fact um, is going to impact your performance in the classroom. So to pretend as though that doesn't is not the case, I think is naive. And so really starting to see more and more institutions lean into that mental health space of making sure that we're resourcing students and encouraging it. I think there was a period of time where there was a little bit more stigma. Um, I think we've I think we have come a long way where that where that goes in certain communities. I think there is still stigma especially a number of minority communities. But I think we're starting to see that become more commonplace. That everybody needs a therapist. Like everybody <laughs> needs, you know, to talk through some things. And, and so being able to see that a little bit more prevalent in the higher ed space, I think that that's, that's probably going to be the case. And the other thing too, and I think this is just, um, I think it's it, to some degree, this is baked into um, the co- overall college experience, whether it's on campus or online, but a much more focus around, um, you know, that community building piece. How do we do that? 
effectively in a way that shows value to the student, right? Where, um, where we're not creating things just for the sake of creating them, but that the students are fully engaged in them. And that to me is both an art and a science. Like we know that students that tend to be, statistically speaking, students that tend to feel more connected to either an individual, so it could be instructor, it could be their advisor, it could be their support coach, what have you, um, or other peers, they tend, when life issues hit them, they tend to have a better, better chances of overcoming them because they feel um, they feel behold, not beholden, that's the wrong word. They feel, um, they feel that connection where somebody is counting on me, even if it's not like we're not in a group work, but somebody knows my story and they, they're rooting for me. And so I need to show up in this space. So um, a better emphasis or more emphasis, I should say, on community building and what that means, um, in an, on, in the, in an online yeah. space where students have, competing demands on their time. So they need to be valuable. Like I said, like if somebody's working full time, they have children, like putting on certain types of events that they don't see as relevant. Like that's the other part. part. They can't just be events for events sake. They need to be relevant to what it is that that student needs in that season. And that's going to change as they matriculate through the programs. But I think that's another piece that you're going to see a little bit more. And I'll, I'll say the fourth thing would be like I mentioned earlier, knowledge is, is everywhere, right? So you can go on YouTube and you can see uh, information and you can get information and learn how to do a multitude of things. Um, and so I think in, in this online space, really creating a little bit more dynamic experience in the online space. So just popping into a Zoom and showing a slideshow, it's not going to cut it, right? That's not <laughs> going to be able to like keep your folks engaged, keep your students engaged in a way that um, wants them, you want them coming back for more. They're, they're hungry for the knowledge. They're hungry for the experience, right? So more experience-based learning in that online space where it's a little bit more dynamic. You don't want to, you know, like you, the YouTube video, like in my mind, the YouTube videos shouldn't outdo what's happening in the classroom. Like they're, <laughs> they should be engaging. They should be like engaging from a content standpoint, right? Challenging them, but visually as well. Like not just, you know, again, the, the, the nobody wants to hop into a Zoom. Like nobody's, when somebody pings you and says, we don't hop into a Zoom, nobody gets excited about that. But if it's a dynamic <laughs> experience um, and you feel like uh, it, any experiences that create greater connection, um, I, I think that you'll see you'll maybe see more emphasis on what things look and feel like in the mm. I think that's wow. important too. Wow, that's a lot because a couple of things that come to mind is production. Yes. Like is your is the classroom going to need to look and feel like production? Like are you going mm. to need to have IT support on the ready? Like mm. because mm. you you need someone to, you know, show this visual and so, so yeah. almost like your the, the classroom experience looks like you're watching um, either a, a well-produced YouTube video or a well-produced um, live news show where like these are the like you're running clips and yeah. but but you know but when that is happening that's like some of that is post-production but you're live right. Right. so is it like you're you treating your online uh, learning a classroom like it is a live news show production. Yes. <laughs> break breaking breaking, breaking news, news. Like, <laughs> this is macroeconomics you know? yeah <laughs> yeah exactly we're exactly. gonna turn into Jan janet yellen is by you know <laughs> right, right. is that her first name <laughs> well it becomes more i think maybe it, it and i think that's not a bad thing like it, it it becomes to some degree a little bit like edutainment where I'm getting yes. educated, but there's an element of it that feels um, entertaining to me. And especially that that's important too when it comes to student retention uh, and progression. Like you, places that you genuinely feel connected to, feel um, that you're benefiting by and feel fun, like who's not going to want to continue to have those have those experiences, but if it doesn't feel relevant, it doesn't feel um, it's it's flat in terms of visually. Um, mm -hmm. It makes then you really have to like you really have to like will yourself to do it. That's where that like uh, that Angela Duckworth's you know uh, discussion around grit. Like then it takes mm -hmm. a lot more grit. But if you can 
remove some of the friction of the boredom <laughs> that sometimes can, can uh, creep in when we don't take the time to really like, how can I give my students and uh, not just an exceptional experience in terms of the content, in terms of the quality of the instructor, but also in terms of what they're actually experiencing online. How yeah. can I, how can I, can I, can I pour into them in that way? Um, right. Like that, there's a reason why there's a reason why, people binge watch Netflix movies, right? Because they're well-produced. Uh, the storylines for some of these movies and, and um, series is amazing. And th there is an element of cliffhanger. And so you're like, oh, I'm only going to watch one episode. But then next thing you know, 10 hours has gone by. <laughs> Wait, what happened? So imagine if we can do that in some ways in the way that we deliver high quality education, where we can create cliffhangers, where the students are not like, oh, I have to go to class tonight. If students, I get to go to class tonight. What, what, what would that world look like? What would have yes. to happen? You know what I'm saying? And so I yeah, think it's, it's, it's not only is that well produced, but man, it also says something about um, the recruitment of the staff. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because I think that um, a lot of times, if some people, some if somebody wants to become a teacher, um, sometimes their teaching skills are not that great. Mm -hmm. And you can want to do something, and that doesn't automatically translate into you being able to do it well. Yes. And so it, so the future may, you know, look like how well can you produce. Yes. A classroom, yes. Yes. <laughs> a how classroom well, learning yes. environment. How well, yes. you know, how well can you produce that? Right. Because essentially at that point, it's it's you're curating an experience. You're curating a learning experience. And that's not just the content. That is that is what does it look and feel like? How what am I walking away with academically? But what, how do I feel when I leave this right. learning experience? Right. It doesn't make me want to come back to it. Right. Because what I because what can what can it, at some point what could happen? Like I know we're talking about this is a this is a segment we could title. What if in the future? So if someone can attain all of the knowledge that they would get from traditional college, mm -hmm. but they can get it on YouTube. Like, mm -hmm. I understand that college gives you an ag an aggregated experience and yeah. you get a degree at the end. But if people don't want to go anymore, then you're not going to have students um, except for those entering fields that require yes. the degree. Yes. Like your medical profession, yes. like you have to be licensed, like your attorneys, mm -hmm. your accountants. Yes. Um, but once you have hit all of those career fields that require this degree mm -hmm. um, and what's left is fields that that people can skill their way into it. Yeah, they right? they've, yeah. they've they've established their own social media platform mm -hmm. and they can um, they can influence their way into a particular field. Mm -hmm. um, then yeah, so here's a way that you can, you know, utilize perhaps your journalism department to help mm -hmm. partner with instructors yeah. producing an educational yeah. experience live. Right. Like you're just going to have to like really pull in and, and, and integrate what is, you know, it's wow. It's like what if educate what if the entire institution was an integrative one where you are using your journalism department to produce this you are yeah. using your yes. you know your yeah. yes. so 100 yeah. so. yeah and the thing is i think as we as we so we're talking about future state like i think as we go for students are going to they're going to expect it like I mean, you're paying, like with the cost of education, like they are starting to look at what am I getting? Yes, yeah. I'm getting this knowledge, but like what else? I remember a friend of mine, um, she went to USC. <laughs> this is funny to me. Uh, she went to USC 
And, um, you know, USD is not inexpensive. And so when she got there on the first day of school, she thought when she walked into her uh, lecture hall that it was going to be like all leather, beautiful leather seats and like, <laughs> like a, like a, like a movie theater. And so imagine her surprise when that was not the experience at all. <laughs> and so she's going, wait, where's all the, like, where's all the, because like, it's not, it's definitely not in this place, this lecture hall. Um, and so I think that like, as you know, as the cost of, of education goes up, we, you, you got to show something for it. And I think this is one way um, that you can do that is really creating, um, like I said, you're curating educational experiences versus taking what I could do in the classroom and just throwing it into a Zoom and calling that good. I, I don't think for the future, I don't think that's going to be enough. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. Well, um, as we come to a close, I really enjoyed this conversation. Really... <laughs> as we, Let me as just we... say this real quick before, uh, before you wrap this up. Like, I want to say how much I appreciate you bringing these topics to the forefront, because I think like, um, like when it comes to like academic survival and, 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 and what that means for, um, whether you're a first year student or an adult student who's returning after 20 years, um, you like, there is a feeling of it's a high stakes game, right? Like there, there, it's like, I'm going into this new environment and I'm hopeful that I, I'll be successful, but I don't know for sure. And so you bringing up these topics of what, like not only professionals that work in this space to support students, but like bringing in actual students and what they want through, that is so needed because I think it tells the full story of what's going on in the, in the, in the learning space in general, whether that's higher ed or whether that's an upskilling program, um, it gives full color to, to what we as professional needs need to know. And so, and need to be mm. considerate of. Um, and so thank you for, for providing these, this type of platform um, where like folks like myself and students can come share what we think. And then students come say, no, that's not how we're thinking. <laughs> Go back to the drawing board. So thank you for, for the opportunity to, to just share. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that compliment. I appreciate it. Um, I do think that this particular episode is interesting because in talking about academic survival, I, I feel that we touched on something that I don't normally touch on. And that is like, how is the institution going to survive? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because yeah. there's some changes that, you know, they're yes. going to have to continue to stay relevant. Yeah, it takes academic survival to a different, that's a different slant on it. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. just about the students, but like the institution needs to be flexible and adaptable to what's happening in this space. And really speaking, taking the time, I, I think, to partner with the, um, you know, the, the business, what does the market need? What is it asking for? And really having more close ties to it because the days of education for education's sake, that like yeah. most folks don't have, <laughs> they don't have that luxury. They don't have that don't, luxury. The, the time or the money to just like, I need to be, I need to be well-educated. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that I, 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 and I can't remember her name. So if she ever hears this, uh, I would cite you. I just don't remember her name, but she said, students need the skills to pay the bills. Right. And that's, that's true. That's what they, that's what's necessary. And so the more that institutions can create a pathway and a direct line and a ecosystem around mm -hmm. that, um, I think the better, the better we are able to serve our students and the mm -hmm. better able we are um, to really make good, like I said at the beginning, to make good on what our students came for, which is that is not just the degree, but it's that pathway into that career field that's going to allow them to have the, the forward trajectory to be able to take care of themselves, their families, and influence their communities. That's, that's what this is about. Okay. Well, this is great. Wow, this fantastic information, Amber. Um, what is on the, I want to close out with this. Yeah. What is on the horizon for Dr. Amber Artiago? Oh. What does that look like? <laughs> so, 
that's such a great question. Um, and I talk about this a lot with students of like, you gotta be future focused and what's, you know, what's on the, what's on the, what's on the pathway for you for the future. Um, you know, I, I think for me, it, it is around uh, what we talked about a little bit earlier is, is really uh, educating myself on what's available from an AI perspective, what's available. Um, and it's a, that's a hard thing to do because like I said, it, it does come out like literally, it seems like every hour, but like, and thinking through how can we better serve our students using this, not burn off our staff members. Cause in the work that we do, it's very, um, it can be draining because you're counseling, you're advising, you're encouraging. And so you need to have your own tank full, so to speak, as a, as a, as a coach or as an advisor to be able to pour into someone else, right? So how can we resource those folks in a way that allows them to maintain a high degree of um, just uh, uh, emotional security in their in their own uh, space so that they can give that out? And so I think for me, it's, it's around it. Like I said, educating myself a little bit more on how we can use this in a way that's going to be meaningful to the staff and to students. I don't know. I think, I think that's, <laughs> that alone is quite the undertaking okay <laughs> so um so yeah i think i think and then just like having conversations like these like this is you know this is really um it, it's really impactful for me to be able to sometimes you're thinking things but sometimes sharing them out loud and and, and bouncing them off other people and getting that insight it takes that 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 deep thought to another level. And so I think mm -hmm. having more conversations like this, getting the right folks in the room, like maybe being part of that to be able to understand what this, what this new future of education is, is going to look like um, yeah. and how we can make sure that we're doing it in a way and, and we're uh, resourcing students um, in a way that's meaningful to them um, short-term and long-term. And it's relevant to the world that they're gonna be stepping into. So, yes. Yeah. Well, to a relevant future. Yes. Relevant <laughs> Cheers future. to a relevant future. Cheers. Yes. Well, Dr. Amber Artiaga, it was such a pleasure to have you. We hey. had a good conversation about AI and what things are going to look like. Man, I'm excited. I'm yeah, excited. Likewise, I'm excited. Likewise. It's a brand new day, as they say. It's a brand <laughs> new day. <laughs> All righty. Well, um, well, if the opportunity arises, we will see you again. Yes, I'd love it. I'd welcome it. All right. Thank you and have a good day. Thank you, too. for today on Academic Survival. If you want to share your story on how you survived your freshman year of college, you can reach me at info at chandralmcdonald.com. We'll be back next week with more ways to survive your academic journey. Until then, happy studying.